Before we get started this week, we'd like to let you know that this episode contains discussion of mental health, including the topics of depression and suicide. If you're struggling with depression or suicidal thoughts, you're never alone. Call 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-HELP for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline to speak with someone right now. This is Laura Stevenson discussing The Weight, the 11th song on our second album, Sit Resist. This is one of my favorite songs that I've written. It's about a lot of different things. I think it kind of encapsulates what this record kind of means as a whole and what a lot of these songs mean. I don't want to stop moving forward. I can't stop moving because if I do, I might get depressed. Everything might fall apart and life is kind of starting and it's exciting, but it's not taking shape in a concrete way, so it's scary. Sit Resist has been remastered at Abbey Road Studios and will be reissued by Don Giovanni Records on September 4th, 2020. Life's Work is a podcast about Sit Resist, the story of a songwriter who survived. I'm Tim Crisp for Better Yet. And this is Life's Work. Over the course of this podcast, we've traced the narratives of Laura's motion. On Long Island, she grew out of her shell. And after she met her partner, Mike Campbell, and they started playing music together, she made a record. And after a record, as Jeff Rosenstock put it, she started her fucking hot streak, writing the songs that would come to make up Sit Resist. There is a narrative that starts outside a house on Long Island with a little sister holding the hand of her only slightly bigger sister. The last three tracks on Sit Resist lay their focus on moments within the life of their writer, a writer who has never stopped gaining momentum while carrying a weight which has the potential to pull her underwater. Laura Stevenson does not write songs that are sad. She does not write songs that are depressing. She writes songs about depression. It's a distinction that speaks volumes. This is the story of Laura Stevenson's depression. I grew up with a lot of chaos, but, you know, a lot of people do. But um, I, it was just very unstable because there was a lot of, like, going to court. We went to court all the time because my dad was fighting for custody of us, even though that was, like, not something that he should have had, you know, but it was really just, uh, to get back at my mom. So you take the kids away. I mean, that's like what you do, <laughs> you know, like that's, um, that's a classic one. Uh, so yeah, we were just in court a lot. There was just a lot of like scary stuff that I didn't understand. So there was just like, I didn't have a lot of control over things. And so I feel like I definitely hid under inside my like schoolwork because it was like school was the only thing I had. And then like piano lessons, that's what I had. You know, like those are the things that like I could control. And then when I got to middle school, <laughs> I like stopped doing as well because like school started to get like harder and I had to like, <laughs> you know, so like I made honor roll instead of high honor roll, you know, one quarter and I like lost my mind. Uh, and I just like started getting super anxious and 
I was nauseous like every night for a really long time. I just couldn't sleep because I just felt like I was going to throw up and I had to take like a hot shower and then like I'd lay underneath the fan so that like my body would get really cold and then I'd like go back and like take a hot bath and then like just just to like shock my body out of being nauseous because like it started to like physically manifest itself and then you know that anxiety turned into depression around high school era and uh then they started me on antibiotics antibiotics for the bacteria of depression (laughs) I'd call them antidepressants Um, they put me on Zoloft when I was like 15 or something. And, uh, then I was just like, you know, I'd stop taking them and they put me on something else and then they put me on something else and then I would stop taking that. And then, you know, it got dangerous cause then I was like drinking and smoking pot and like doing all of those things and like not taking my antidepressants. And then, you know, I would have like suicidal thoughts and get really dark and I was afraid of that because I don't, I was terrified of dying. Like dying to me is like, still, I'm so scared of dying, but I didn't want to be alive. And that was really scary. And so my mom was like, let's go and let's go to the hospital. Cause you're, I, she could tell that like it was getting scary. And so I agreed. And then I got, uh, put in like a psych, uh, 72 hour hospital. And, um, it was fucking scary because I was like 19 and it was really scary. It was, it was awful. And then, so my roommate that I was like bunking with, I guess she, she was like living in the same room as me. That was who I wrote I See Dark about because it was this older woman that was like clearly schizophrenic and suffering and just like so scared and I like couldn't help her. And so I was just like laying there, like listening to her, you know? like kind of with you know just just not really knowing what's real and what's not real that's so scary I can't even imagine what that's like so it was just kind of about how like I wish that I could comfort her but I didn't know how it was a it was a heavy 72 (laughs) heavy 72 hours (sighs) but yeah When you listen to Laura tell her story, you hear so many of the elements of her personality that we've learned about through her music and through these conversations. You hear her empathy, her compassion, her logic, the way she pays attention to moments, and the way she absorbs them, the way she feels them and feels the space around them and honors that feeling. Depression is an illness that does not feel or listen to reason. Its goal is to destroy. Laura survives and she speaks like a survivor. And it takes all the good inside to turn survival into an everyday task. But it is just something that like is omnipresent and kind of like will suck you in. And it's just really scary. And if you can't, if you don't have the tools to try to understand it. On the first episode of this podcast, we heard about the friendship between Laura Stevenson and her friend comedian Chris Gethard. Gethard played Laura's song, Runner, at the end of his comedy special, Career Suicide. Here's what Laura said about how Chris's comedy and her music approach depression. I don't know what it would be like to not have the tools to try to understand it. Like, he understands it through comedy, and I try to understand it through music. But 
for somebody that doesn't have that outlet, that must be so, so scary. Cause there's just no way to like really, I don't know, to, to like just comprehend how big it is. The need to comprehend something that happens inside. That's why these two create. We are well in tune to the beauty that Laura shares, but from the comedian's perspective, there's a larger truth guiding Laura's work. I always felt like one of the secret weapons of, of Laura is that she's genuinely a very, very funny person. And her banter on stage is second to none. And I was always a banter guy. When I was a kid growing up, one of the bands I loved was Weston because they had the best banter. And I look back on it and I'm like, oh, when I was a little punk kid, most of the kids in the room wanted to pick up a guitar. I wanted to grab the mic. I always wanted to be a comedian. I never knew it. And there are a few people who have funnier between song banter than Laura Stevenson. It's one of my favorite things about seeing her live. Mm -hmm. you know, outside of the fact that she has the voice of an angel and delivers it uh, incredibly powerfully. It's also the jokes, man. <laughs> it's true. She is one of the funniest people I've ever met. I am a professional comedian of 20 years, and I have at times watched Laura tell jokes in between songs and been jealous of the quality of the jokes. It's the number one thing I can contribute to your podcast project <laughs> is making it very clear that while musicians immensely respect Laura's music, there's at least one comedian who immensely respects Laura's comedy. And it's this guy, Chris Gethard, right here. She's a musician's musician. She may just be a comics comic as well. She may, she may have both. Can, can I ask you about depression? Yeah. Laura's music is, so much of it is just about depression. You just read the lyrics and you're like, yeah. Absolutely. Her lyrics really can make you feel a little less alone. And that's what art is for, right? I think when it's at its best. Yeah, that's a good clip, Chris. And then she's got the jokes. Let's, let's not forget the goddamn banter is <laughs> impeccable with this Laura Stevenson. I've told her you should, you should think about trying comedy someday. You'd be good at it. You're as neurotic as any comedian I've ever met. You'd be great at it. You're depressed and neurotic and funny. Why, are you, why do you even bother with the guitar? You can have a whole other <laughs> career doing what I do better than I do it. If I picked up a guitar, I couldn't do what she does. She could do what I do in a heartbeat. We heard Laura describe the title Sit Resist as a statement about keeping her songwriting career in motion. But the title also applies to a larger narrative thread. I think, I, I, I mean, it's, it's about depression also, you know, just like not really knowing where you're going, uh, not feeling like you're going anywhere, but not being able to stop. Um, and just like, you know, I think not understanding what spurs you on, despite how painful it is, there is that like human need to survive and to keep going, even though you, everything might be telling you like that you can't go any further and you're too sad or it hurts too much, but you just like keep needing to like live. And I think that that's like, that's the thing that's kept me on this planet. So it's important, but it's also like, it's hard to understand. And so I like, kind of grappling with those two, like very um, opposing forces of just like the need to 
keep moving. I guess like Runner is also about that. Is that on that record? No. <laughs> That's on wheel, right? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> next next podcast. We'll, we'll, that. we'll bring it back. Funniest person alive. Stevie Knife is the songwriter and front person of Adult Mom, a project Stevie started when they were in college. They released two LPs, Momentary Lapse of Happily in 2015 and Soft Spots in 2017. In 2019, Laura and Adult Mom toured together and released a split featuring Laura covering Adult Mom's survival and Adult Mom covering Laura's dermatillomania. Here's Stevie talking about the first time they heard Laura's music. When do you remember hearing Laura's music for the first time? I was in college and I was aware of who she was and I had listened to Master of Art and that was the that was like the first song I ever heard of hers. I don't remember listening to it for the first time. Um but I do remember hearing it live for the first time and that was like the first time I think it must have been the first song that they had that she had played her and her band um but she was playing at Purchase College where I went to school and it was during a out, outdoor music festival. It was really cold, like chilly out. I think she was wearing like fingerless gloves to play guitar. This was around the time that I started writing. And I think initially what took me was that she was a woman who was writing and <laughs> performing. And so like listening to Sit Resist, I just remember feeling really known as a person and so much of that is about her voice and the characteristic of her voice and her singing you know and I think specifically on this record it's really um intimate um in that I felt like I was being spoken to directly Mm -hmm. so the last part in being spoken to directly one of the reasons that Laura's music speaks directly to me is as a person who suffers from depression so is that something that Mm -hmm. we can talk about oh yeah so yeah I, I suppose how on the depression side of it does that factor in for you I mean yeah I mean exactly I think well yeah I Laura as an artist I mean across the board is like to me like she talks about depression in a way that I don't think I've ever connected with somebody else talking about it in my life I think the way that especially you know on this record being in college and like depressed as fuck and just like not knowing what was going on inside my brain and like listening to like be so um open with not necessarily like self-hatred but like self-criticism in this way which I've really connected to in my teenage years but with men like bright eyes and things like that you know like this self-sabotaging type of like writer profile thing but then when Laura talks about self-sabotage and 
self-hatred and those portions of depression. I don't know, there's like a sigh of relief when I hear it instead of like a, like, oh, I'm going to lean into this and like make myself feel worse, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like an explanation. Yeah. Because she expresses the emotional response, but she expresses that response as a pattern of this illness. It's a product of faulty wiring that processes things with a set of emotions, but consistently. Mm. So it's it takes some of the fault away from your person and right. and puts it more in a perspective of this is controlled by something that isn't just of my own making yeah exactly no there's this it's like she approaches depression as like this is what is happening and this is this there's a thing happening inside my brain and also she like expresses the desire to like be purified or like be made well like in barnacles like the lyric what was it like the imagery of being like scraped off you know like scrape scrape off all the shit you know imagery that i love like so much um it's like very it's a very human and honest feeling you know just be like fucking i don't know it's like a satisfying thing to think of when you think of like barnacles being scraped off of like a ship or whatever you know it's so empowering and feeling like you're understood by someone you've never met is definitely a wild thing. And I think that's one of the reasons why that record is so special to me. And it's like, you know, it's like that like natural desire, you know, like it's like, here's the parts of me that I don't want. And like, I, you know, this record too, like she talks so much about like being trapped and like wanting freedom, you know, like in Barnacles, it's like like the, the, the lyric is like, make me clean, like free me. You know, it's like, those are the words that she's using and it's listening to it again now. And like, you know, it's like, yeah, same. Like I always, <laughs> I want that, you know, it's a, it's a constant feeling. Right. Because it's a pattern of behavior and you see the behavior and and you don't want to do that. It's just that you have this thing and it expresses itself this way, not based on logic. It's just neurological. It's just what it is. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like personally, I always try and toe the line or find the line between like, am I being healthily critical of myself you know in a way where I'm like oh like here's ways I can like shift um or am I like you know self-blaming and you know like surrendering to the depression hole or whatever where I enjoy or like feel I get yeah like catharsis through listening to the songs where Laura addresses that battle that she has you know it's like a lot of people think of themselves in binaries of good or bad, you know, 
and it's not the right way to go about things but it is a coping mechanism (laughs) (laughs) so you're saying binaries are bad (laughs) songs like barnacles are powerful moments where laura's rap cheery bright tones around statements about depression but when it comes to the three songs that bring Sit Resist to a conclusion, Laura chose to present moments that gave this period of time in her life definition as they were. Yeah, The Weight, The Weight, Icy Dark. That's a heavy ending for a record. Um, but I wouldn't want to end it on like a... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like ending it with like Montauk Monster, you know, Barnacles, because that's not what real life is like, you know, like, but yeah, I mean, like there is a lot of painful things that I'm talking about in a lot of these songs that I was hiding behind, you know, cheerier tones. But I guess if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, it was a painful, it's a reflection of a lot of painful experiences in my life. And I think that I just wanted to like, be like, this is it, you know, I wanted to be like real about it, you know, because ending it with like a cha-cha-cha-cha would be like not honest, I think. You know what I mean? The part about the alkaline taste, um, I had, I was like on this cocktail of psychotropic drugs that ended up giving me a small seizure, um, and then I complained about it to my psychiatrist and he was like, uh, yeah, that combination of drugs will maybe give you a seizure. And I was like, oh, cool, thanks. So anyway, that was kind of the beginning of the end for me for uh, medication. Um, I had been like on so many different things for so many years. So I that was kind of the impetus to try to find an alternative for myself, just because even though it did save my life at one time um, and it saves a lot of lives, I just wanted to try to do something else. and it's been working so far. So, see what happens. Goodbye. So, this is the closing track for Sit Resist. It's about when I was in the hospital for a bit um, when I was 19 and my roommate in the unit that I was in was a woman who had schizophrenia and she was an old lady Um, and she'd just be lying in her bed at night and crying and I couldn't do anything for her and I was just like watching her and hearing her in all this pain and she couldn't like control her mind um and I didn't want her to be scared but that's like how she spent her whole life and that was like really really sad and um 
So the song is about like, it's kind of like a microcosm of like the horribly sad shit there is in the world. Just in that one room, how much sad shit was in that one room um, inside that one building where so much other sad shit was happening inside that one town that so much shed, sad shit was happening so it's just kind of like um, when you feel just like overwhelmed by everything So this record does not end on a happy note, <laughs> but um, I really liked making this record and I love all the people that were involved with it and I hope you love it too. It's a nice little time capsule. Um, okay, have a nice day. Life's Work is a production of Don Giovanni Records and Better Yet. To pre-order the remastered Sit Resist, visit DonGiovanniRecords.com. For more info on Better Yet, Visit betteryetpod.com. Next week on Life's Work. Why, what do you think that is about? I don't know. Oh, well. Oh, well. We didn't get to the bottom of it right today, Tim. So, uh... Guess we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs>